ready for this? I got one thing to say. happen to be the greatest wrestling machine alive it's all here what a mega matchup universal wrestling podcast i like this kind of party baby back to the Universal Wrestling Podcast. My name is Nick Dieterding. His name is Chris Dunn. Let's not bury the lead. Adam Cole, how are you, sir? Welcome to the show. I am doing wonderful. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Chris, we've done a few of these episodes. It's really cool to talk to wrestlers and talk to the, you know, the guys in the industry, but it's more important to talk about the awareness. Chris, why don't you take it away? Yeah, you know, Adam is uh, is somebody who I worked with a lot at WWE and at NXT and always one of my favorite people. And, um, you know, we have this Leukemia and Lymphoma Society 10-week donation drive going on. And when I reached out to Adam, he was really excited to join. Like, he's had an insane day today. And, you know, when you are as big of a star as Adam Cole, who has such a crazy schedule, making like finding the time to do something like this is really cool. Um, but Adam, from what you're telling me, you've also... Uh, have had dealt with, you know, this in your life and just want to hear your experience. Yeah. Yeah. So without going into like crazy detail, uh, my, my grandfather, uh, has dealt with issues, uh, with leukemia before. Um, it's a very, very real thing that, that I do wish that more people had the chance to talk about and realize how much this does impact, you know, other people and families and things like that. So again, Chris, the second we got the chance to talk about this, I was all on board, uh, with wanting to be involved in any way in this very, very small way, uh, to help in any capacity whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, it's affected my family for sure. Uh, my grandfather, who I was, you know, very, very close with. Yeah. It's something where, you know, the, this organization, if you can, obviously, you know, the people listening to us, like everyone, you know, money is money and like, it is what it is. Uh, any, anything you can spare, whether it's $10, $5, $1, it really helps. Yeah. You know, last year, yeah. through people giving small donations, like just in LA alone, I believe, you know, this this donation drive got close to eight figures. And wow. Yeah. And that's uh, incredible. Oh it's my insane. God. And um, I'm very bad with numbers, or I would give what I think it is. But, um, uh, and two, it's like, you know, obviously, the, you know, it has leukemia and lymphoma in the name, but these sure. doctors and these scientists, like, the, this goes, this money goes towards multiple blood cancers and it has helped so many different people and, you know, techniques that doctors use now. So unfortunately cancer is something a lot of people deal with, um, yep. this organization, if you have time or to like, please read up on it. Um, if you've had people, family who's been affected by it, uh, take a second, they do so much good work and they're definitely worth your time if you have it. And if you can spare any money, definitely worth that too. Um, now that that's out of the way, uh, we talked to one of my favorite people that I ever worked with at WWE, uh, Adam Cole. Um, and I'll tell you this, like I, so I, Adam joined WWE about a year after I did 2017. Yeah. Uh, Barclays debut. Um, 
And, you know, I was like, I was on the road working like raw and SmackDown. I eventually started doing NXT and I started working with Adam a lot. And it's like the, it was the first time I really worked with a talent um, that I really developed a good everyday rapport with because we were both new and doing a lot of different things together. Um, and I got a lot of internal praise for like working with Adam. And I was like feeling really good about my writing. And then I left NXT and Adam's promos were still as good, still as awesome, still as strong uh, because he is the, the best promo in the business. And no matter what, uh, you know, the way NXT worked when it was like the, the tapings pre going live, you would get with talent sometimes like, you know, usually you have a, a segment like as a promo and then like maybe a two segment match, three segment match. Usually Adam had like two big promos and like at least one big match and maybe also like a one seg match. But you know, on time and like, you know, uh, we would work on these promos together and he always crushed it. And like, no matter what you gave him, it was always a home run. So thank you for doing this. It's so, it's so cool to kind of get to walk down memory lane and talk about AEW and maybe talk about some of the ROH stuff too with you. Oh my God. Of course. That was like the nicest intro I, I think <laughs> I've ever gotten. So <laughs> thank you very, very much. It was, it, it, again, the, the feeling is very, very mutual. So it was uh, cause, cause it is, as you know, that entire process of a television day is very stressful. Like (laughs) live TV is insane. Uh, Aside from the fact that we care so much about it personally. um, Again, when you think about the idea of like over a million people at the minimum are going to be watching this, it's, it's overwhelming. So you almost have to like completely block it out. So Chris, I felt like me and you had this really good like connection where we would almost like, ignore the rest of the world and me and you would just have a conversation and we go, yeah, we, okay, we, we, this is what I'm going to say. And you would tell me, or, or you would go, <laughs> yep, that sounds good. And I'd go, all right, let's go kill it. And then, and then we'd go do the thing. Yeah. So, like, the big thing about writing for, you know, WWE or NXT, or I think wrestling in general, you just, you, yeah. I'm never the one who has to perform it. Sure. Uh, so it's yeah. really like, yeah, this is the story like there'd be some days where like I would give you a promo and you would say it word for word, or you would go like, I don't really think I'm not really feeling that. And like, we would kind of like retype it together and just like knowing that like, all right, this is the story. This is where we're trying to get what's like the best way to do it. Um, it also really helped. Cause like, as time went on, you know, you have to go get your promos approved. Uh, yes. and like, I kind of realized like Hunter didn't know me that well when I started, uh, so like he was always, like, I felt in a good way. And I mean, very, listen, in a very positive way. Cause I, I learned a lot from him and really admire him. Uh, he would like really go through everything I wrote with a fine tooth comb. I eventually realized a trick. If I bring Adam Cole with me to gorilla, yeah, he's just going to approve it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, he would just be like, yeah, read it for me. All right. Good. Yeah. well you know what to me one of the one of the biggest things at least in my experience when it comes to stuff like that because like we had talked about in the beginning when we didn't really know each other um and you were kind of figuring out who i was not only as a character but like my strengths and weaknesses as a performer it was like over time i really felt like you were in my head which made the process so much easier where, where like we have talked about before, I've told you this privately and now I can say it uh, as well to, to the rest of the world, but I, I've told you countless times, like, yeah, Chris, this is exactly what I would say word for word. 
So um, that was a really, really cool thing. And I do have this really strong belief, again, in high pressure situations. Of course, we shouldn't lie to one another. If, if, If I were to deliver something incredibly poorly, I would expect you to say, Adam, this is terrible. Uh, And if you were to give me something word for word and I read it and I go, oh, my God, Chris, I would never say this word for word. We (laughs) could tell each other. Yeah. You know, but I do I do believe one of the strongest things in a high pressure situation like that is like encouragement and support of one another. Like, that's what I feel. That's why I feel our rapport and our relationship worked so well. Um, I think because you trusted me to perform the words that you would write out and uh, I trusted you to come up with certain ideas or words of where we're going. Like, for example, if, if you had something written that Adam Cole would say, and then I would go, hey, you know, I love that. I love the idea, but maybe let's change this, this or this. You trusted me to, uh, you know, continue with that process. And I also trusted your process as well. So I, I think that's why the relationship works so well. I really, yeah. really do. Yeah, it was awesome. And like, I, I genuinely was. miss writing for you. And like, it's, you know, even though I've gone to like do things more in LA now, like there are people like with you and the rest of, you know, UE and like, yeah. you know, the prophets and Bianca and the Vikings, like I generally miss working with these people, like people like you guys all the time, because like, not only are you brilliant performers or you're awesome people and like, we'll, we'll kind of get to it. Like, I think as we kind of talk about your career of like, sure. um, like when the point when like NXT went live and like the team, the brand split in a big way. Like, yeah, I was really heartbroken leaving NXT because like NXT was the best part of the job. And like, I was, I was really bummed that I wasn't going to write for you and, and some other talent there. Um, but especially the, like all, all four of you guys, uh, yeah. like always the best to deal with. And like you, it's kind of like, you know, like if you look at like basketball, like, uh, if you give like, you know, Michael Jordan, the ball in the fourth quarter, you're feeling pretty confident. And that's why I always felt with you and the rest of the guys. Um, so yeah, it's just cool. And it's cool to be talking to you and like, um, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, let's kind of get into it. Like, um, sure. you know, I think like one thing, so let's kind of start at the beginning of NXT for you. Barclays, Drew McIntyre wins the NXT championship redemption story, huge moment, like a moment that like, man, like if that was like 99 nitro, that's like Lex Luger being Hogan, like the whole roster coming out. But instead the company has such a strong belief in you. They decided to have you debut and put you in that spot. What was that like? Yeah. That entire night and that whole process was so wild um, on so many levels. especially when you just said what you said, where it's like, again, a guy like Drew McIntyre coming back, obviously they have a massive amount of faith in him. I think the world of Drew McIntyre, his career in WWE and his career in general kind of speaks for itself, obviously. Um, So when you worded it like, yeah, they decided to end the pay-per-view or that takeover uh, with me closing the show with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, yeah, that is pretty crazy, especially considering they had never met me before. Like it was all phone conversations and all that stuff. But I, I remember being so incredibly nervous on so many levels. Um, number one, 
I had tried out for WWE like multiple times, like twice, uh, to the point where one time I tried out for WWE and I was still working for Ring of Honor, but I had just kind of started my career there. Um, and I was told, yeah, you're definitely getting signed. So like drop the Ring of Honor television championship. You were on the way. Uh, so I literally lost the championship and ROH was kind of booking me in a situation where they could kind of phase me out. And then I finally got the call uh, from Canyon at the time who said, um, hey, we just want you to know it's a no, but it's just a not right now. It's not a no forever. It's a not right now. Hunter has this vision because at the time when I tried out, it was the end of FCW. And I guess Hunter had this vision for what NXT was going to be. Um, and Canyon had told me that, you know, he envisions um, NXT as this company that brings in the best guys from all over the world and really showcases them in a different light. So in my mind, I'm thinking they're just being nice to me right now. <laughs> they're, they're just telling me no, yeah. but they don't want to be mean. And I respect that, but I was crushed. Uh, but, uh, but again, the idea that Canyon said, he goes, go out and become the best wrestler in the world. Like go out and do your thing and travel the globe and all that stuff. And it, funny enough, um, that's exactly what I tried to do. You know, I, I became a three-time ROH world champion, the longest reigning pro wrestling guerrilla world champion. I went to new Japan pro wrestling. I did all this stuff. And I'm so thankful that happened because had I gone to FCW, or the beginning stages of NXT as the Adam Cole that I was in 2013, I would not have had that epic takeover moment uh, where I jumped Drew McIntyre and ended uh, takeover Brooklyn the way that I did. So it, it, it was uh, Canyon and Hunter were being completely 100% honest. Uh, I, I just had to hold up my end of the bargain in a lot of ways, but, I, but I remember like specifically as far as that night goes, I remember thinking, God, I hope people care. Like, I hope people are excited. I hope they know who I am. I knew the NXT fans were quote unquote smart fans and they paid attention to a lot of stuff that was going on in the wrestling world. And I remember running out and being like, oh my God, I hope, I hope so badly they're a little bit excited. And fortunately they were um, to the point where I was so nervous, by the way, um, that a lot of people don't know this, but I almost fell on my face. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so when I ran into the ring and the crowd really started erupting the way that they did, literally there's a clip um, of a fan cam where I start running to attack Drew McIntyre and I almost fell. Like I literally, my legs were jello and the idea of thinking that my debut night <laughs> in NXT would have involved me falling on my face terrifies me, but I had so much adrenaline and excitement going through my body. It well, also I was wearing dress shoes. Dress shoes are never a good idea when you're doing a wrestling <laughs> angle. Uh, so, so that didn't help. Uh, but fortunately, everything worked out, and I caught myself and all that stuff. But I remember uh, that we were going to end the night with me, Kyle, and Bobby all standing there, and I was walking up the ramp, and I wasn't going to do the Adam Cole baby thing, like like Hunter. And uh, everyone else wanted me, Bobby and Kyle to just stand there, you know, just um, dominantly and just be like, oh, this is the new crew that's going to be here. And I was walking up the ramp and the crowd was chanting Adam Cole. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the thing I've been doing forever. 
just to see what happens. And I swear to God, I did not expect uh, the entire crowd to do Adam Cole Bebe with me. And I think that was actually really important because I think that was like a, not a wake up call. That's not the right word, but like a realization to everyone in NXT that that audience, the audience they're trying to capture had been paying attention to everything that I'd been doing, or most of them had. Um, So that was a really, really cool moment for me too, where they ended up putting it on the, uh, the WWE YouTube page as well. But yeah, just a, such an amazing night. It was so awesome. And like um, a couple of things to backtrack for one second, like Hunter and Canyon were a hundred percent serious about, I wasn't at the company at that time. Yeah. I have been, you know, when you go down to NXT, you're in like a very small room at the performance center with like Hunter, Sean, occasionally Canyon, Regal, and you're having these conversations and like talent comes up. And a lot of times Hunter will say like, I want to give this person a year or two years outside of the system so they can bring those things in. Um, And it's very important to him to make sure like everyone kind of is like, not fully formed, but they've grown and they have life experience. Yes. Um, and they know how they know how to work in different situations, especially because yep. that's how he did it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that is uh that is so so true. Like, like you think as a talent at the time, again, like I had touched on a little bit where I'm like, oh, they're just being nice and they're trying to nicely tell me they don't want to hire me. Uh, but it is true. It's it's very, very true. And I am so I seriously. Thank God every day that they did not decide to hire me in 2013. My entire career would be different. So I, I am, I, again, it's, it is very, very true. I, I totally believe that. And I think like from, I don't know if you kind of look at this this way, but this is how I kind of look at it. Like two, a couple of things. Like one, I think you were such a key, like that moment, because like one, you know, Takeover Brooklyn, even though it's in August, that's at the time it was like the mania for NXT. Yes. Um, yeah. So like that's essentially like at the end of you know Austin KO sending somebody new out to you know drop Austin. Um, two, it's like at the time you know Kevin Owens and like Sammy had like moved on, like a bunch of people had been like called up and like almost to too big of an extent where you know, because of the brand extension or the brand split, um, so much talent was taken from NXT. So like you, you needed to give somebody the ball in such a big way. And like that spot was given to you and you ran with it in such a big way. And like to talk about like timing, like, you know, I think Drew was always had like a rocket to the main roster. Cause like, yes, you look at his body and his past experience. And like, he looks like a, like at the time, worst case scenario, you know, a lot of times, like when you're building talent, if somebody is just built to a point as the floor to put the top guy over, that's a massive success. Anything yeah. else is gravy. And Drew's obviously surpassed that in a big way. Um, yes. So he was always going to kind of be sure for that world. I think one thing, like talking about like timing, about like you're not coming in in the FCW time, coming in right then, Gabe Sapolsky also started. And like before, um, Gabe, obviously such a, such a fantastic eye for talent, such a massive brain and like leader in independent wrestling, like yeah. the weeks before you started, like he was like 
the two tapings before, I think he pitched bringing Bobby in and then pitched bringing Kyle in. And they were supposed to be one-offs, but then everything kind of came, they impressed and it kind of all came together in such a great way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and funny enough, like, again, I, I worked for Gabe um, in 2009. Um, and, and actually the first time I met Kyle O'Reilly um, was in a, uh, Gabe used to run a company called Dragon Gate USA. Which oh was yeah. Like a really hot independent promotion. <clears throat> this was following him uh, running or being the booker for Ring of Honor. So I remember me and Kyle O'Reilly met the day we wrestled each other. Uh, I, I started wrestling in 2008. I uh, met and wrestled Kyle O'Reilly in 2009. And, and we had this Dragon Gate USA um, what, you know, pre-show match where we were like before the pay-per-view. And it was six minutes. That was all we had. And we had a match in the ECW arena or the 2600 arena. Uh, and that actually ended up being like the template for what Evolve was supposed to be. Oh, wow. Which is, which is so insane. Uh, when you when you go back and look on it, considering how young me and Kyle were <laughs> in the wrestling industry. But me and Kyle have been married to each other, like not to go off on a tangent, but that small period where I left NXT and went to AEW and Kyle was still in NXT and then ended up coming to AEW. That three month period was the longest amount of time me and Kyle have not worked in the same promotion together since 2009. That's so crazy that we've somehow ended up together in the same promotion the entire time. But uh, yeah, it's wild how that works. You know, again, me, Kyle, Bobby, have all been kind of attached at the hip uh, in a lot of ways for our entire careers, whether it be NXT, AEW, Ring of Honor, it, you name it, we, we've been together. And you can't yeah. fake that either, you know? Hey, Adam, one of my favorite matches is the NXT Championship match on SmackDown in 2019. If you're a uh, wrestling fan, you know it. You versus uh, Brian Danielson. Yeah. What made that so special? Oh, my God. So many different factors. Um, number one, uh, you know, part of what made me decide to, God, I don't know, not decide, but like further confirmed my love for the art form of pro wrestling was Brian Danielson. Um, I remember discovering Ring of Honor and the two guys who I got DVDs for for Christmas one year because I kept, <clears throat> excuse me, I kept hearing about them on the internet was CM Punk in Ring of Honor and Brian Danielson and Ring of Honor. And I remember got, I got their ROH DVD compilations one year for Christmas. And I remember being captivated by Punk's promos so much. And that was kind of what made me fall in love with wanting to get good at the art of, of talking. And then Brian um, made me realize this whole different style and realism and almost perfectionism, uh, you know, to the, to the pro wrestling industry. So I've been a fan of him my entire life. You know, I, in, when I was in high school, I would go to ring of honor shows in Philadelphia or New York. And I would watch Brian wrestle in these epic main event matches. Like Brian had a match with Kenta, uh, at the first ever, uh, Manhattan center show that ring of honor had. And I was there like as a fan, you know, my, my, uh, one of my best friends, his dad drove me and my friend to that show and we were there. And I remember driving the whole way that four hours back home and me just being wide awake, just thinking about this match and how cool it was. Um, so I've always wanted to wrestle Brian because I thought the world of him, because right when I ended up getting signed and working for ring of honor, Brian 
got signed to WWE. So he was gone. That was just not a, not a possibility for me anymore. So, and then that combined with the fact that it was a, you know, a Friday or whatever. (laughs) And I woke up super late. I I had like a late night for some reason on third. I I for real think I had like a busy day doing like, whether it was media or something like I was, I was very, very busy the day before. And I slept in super late. I'm getting up. I just finished eating breakfast and I'm walking around in shorts, no shirt. And I look at my phone and I'm getting a call from Matt Bloom. And I'm like, Oh, this is strange. And I pick up the phone and he goes, Hey, can you be at this airport in one hour? We need you to go to SmackDown. I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, sure, sure. Yeah, I'll drop whatever I'm doing. He goes, okay, cool. I'll send you the address. He hangs up. He sends me the address. The airport is 50 minutes away. So I have 10 <laughs> minutes to pack all of my stuff <laughs> and go to this airport uh, and get on this plane with me and the rest of the NXT crew. Shawn Michaels is there. I'm putting my boots on on this airplane. Uh, Sean is trying to explain to me what I'm doing. Uh, we end up getting there and getting like a police escort to the bit uh, to the building. And we're driving there and there's police sirens. And again, we get there and Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman are in the ring, cutting a promo and trying to take as much time as they can uh, in this SmackDown in, in Buffalo. And yeah, I like an hour later, I'm in the ring in the main event of SmackDown against Brian Danielson. That was, uh, it's mm. one of the most memorable nights of my entire career, for sure. The fact that it went so well is wild. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it's just a testament to how, how talented Brian is. And I guess the chemistry that me and him have together as well. So uh, that, that was a really, really special night. Really, really cool. Yeah, for, um, for people who worked at the company, uh, who had been there significantly longer than me, uh, that's considered one of the craziest days in television yeah. history uh, at yeah. the company, which says a lot. I was, I was, I had taken off, uh, and because I did not want to go to Saudi Arabia or uh, get up and come in at four a.m. for the production meeting and, sure. and zoom into it. And I like, I, uh, I had just gotten um, my approval to move to LA. And they were like, oh, can you, can you fly to Saudi? And like, I was like, no, sorry. But um, so I was like on vacation and my phone started blowing up and it was like the people who were stuck there were stuck there. And every, apparently like everything was on the table of like every idea, everything was thrown out. Like from my understanding, it was like a small room of like the writers and Vince and Hunter and Stephanie. And they were just like going through everything. And the fact that like, it was the bet was made. Like, I, I think it really says a lot that they decided to, they were very, the idea to bring NXT into the survive in survivor series was always like yeah. a little hesitant because, you know, kind of a little bit of a separation sure. um, and keep like NXT special, but like out of all the things talked about, like very big things were talked about and they're like, we're pulling the trigger on NXT because of what the brand had become. Right. And like, well, Tom, you're the face of that. And like being there with Daniel and like, you know, you and I, when we talked about doing this podcast, we're kind of talking about that time period. Cause that's when I, I left NXT and joined raw, like as only on raw, cause they, they split the teams. Yeah. But like, kind of going back to like your run in that, like that whole month for you, I feel like 
wraps up a whole Hall of Fame case. Like you're in the ring with Daniel Bryan, then Seth Rollins, yep. then ladder matches, then Pete Dunn. You're wrestling like essentially 30 minute matches every night a week while cutting like amazing promos. It's like things that would like make people's like three or four years. You did it in such a short amount of time. Yeah. That, uh, that November, 2019 was like instrumental, uh, in not just my career, like for that year, because, because that year, like in a lot of publications, I got nominated wrestler of the year, uh, just for that November and not to discredit anything I had done before then, obviously that played a part as well, but I think everyone recognized how crazy that specific month was for me. Um, and it was just one of those things where, again, I, I know there are a lot of guys who were, they were in my situation, they would have done the exact same thing. I happened to be the right guy at the right place at the right time. And there was no way that I was going to pass you know, on that opportunity. Again, the fact that, because like you had mentioned, it was, it all started with that Brian match on SmackDown. And then because that was received so well, it was Sunday night at 10 PM. uh, After that Friday night SmackDown, it was, Hey, you got to go to raw on Monday, tomorrow morning, get ready to get on a flight and you're going to wrestle Seth Rollins in the main event. And then I knew I had a ladder match with uh, Dijak, you know, (laughs) in, in uh, on NXT and then I had an eight-man tag on SmackDown. It was cutting a promo in the ring. The craziest thing was the fact that I had the War Games NXT match on the Saturday, uh, and I took the craziest bump of my entire career that I will never take again. Uh, <laughs> God bless him. I love him. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay, and I'm fine. Uh, but the air raid <laughs> crash from the top of the cage through the table – uh, going back and looking at it is horrifying. Uh, and then less than 24 hours later, I'm wrestling Pete Dunn in a 20 minute NXT championship match. So it was just, it was such an insane, such an insane month. Uh, but I yeah. wouldn't change it for anything. I wouldn't we were, change it for anything. We were like, you know, for war games, we should probably talk more about war games too. Like, sure. Yeah. Like, you're not always in arena when yeah. uh, when you're writing there because uh, you're always busy, but like you try to make time for big things. So like you go out for war games. Everyone was pretty scared after that bump. <laughs> like everyone yeah. was really like it was like oh okay well <laughs> right. NXT is canceled. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am the the craziest part about it too is I'm I think you know this, but maybe I haven't told you. But a lot of my like close friends know. I am terrified of heights, by the way. Yeah. Like absolutely horrified. Like I, for the most part, every single time there's been a war games and I know I'm going off the top of the cage, which has been almost every single one. Uh, I end up climbing up there beforehand. And again, similar to the adrenaline rush feeling of my leg shaking, uh, but only a little bit different when I climb the top of the cage, my legs are shaking from fear, like legit physical fear. I hate heights. I hate them. Uh, but there's this like, um, desire to entertain, I think. And I know that like, if I'm the, you know, leader of the heel group, uh, and this is supposed to be like a cool feel good moment. I know I've got to be the guy, uh, to fall off the top of the cage. And on top of that, just in a lot of ways, it fit the story a lot of the times, but every single time I've climbed up there, I have had this massive amount, uh, massive amount of fear where I'm like, Oh my God, here we go. Uh, but the weird, it's the weirdest feeling when you're up there 
and all the fans are there because you have like this acceptance of like, I don't care what happens, man, whatever happens, (laughs) I'm falling off this thing. I'm going to be fine. I'm not even going to think about it. Here we go. And I just close my eyes and (laughs) hope for the best, but it it is, it's horrifying, horrifying. So scary. I think we should dive more into war games, but like, just like to give a little context about like this, this month and like that, that smackdown, like to put where it was and like the timeline of WWE, they literally like just started on Fox after signing this billion dollar deal. Yes. Within like four or six weeks. I forget. I think like the first SmackDown in Staples, now known as the Crypt, um, yeah. was uh was September, like late September. I may be wrong on that. Like, and this is November, and it's just like, oh, like your this Fox relationship is still new and you may not be able to put on a show. And like to be called on to that, I think that just shows how like how loved and respected and how trusted you were. Um, but like going back to war games, like, you know, right after you debuted at the Barclays, you were in the first war game match in years. And like, you know, you're just kind of talking about the heights and stuff, but like, how do you, especially too, like, unlike a lot of war games, like this was multiple teams. Yeah. How, how do you go about like thinking about putting that match together? Yeah, so that entire process was so intimidating, especially because it was my first NXT TakeOver performance. Like, I debuted by jumping Drew, and then the very next TakeOver, the main event was uh, Undisputed Era, Sanity, AOP, Roddy, all of us in the first ever War Games match in WWE, not just NXT, but in WWE. So I was like, oh, my God, here we go. And it was. It was really, really intimidating. But fortunately, because I was such a big fan of the War Games matches, um, and you had a bunch of guys in there who, again, eat, sleep, and breathe pro wrestling and, and love what we do. Uh, we were. It was, like, exciting to put the whole thing together. And that, that was the most fun part because, I, in my opinion, the most stressful one, aside from the fact that I had just debuted for NXT, um, but it was also the first one we did. The first war games was definitely the most stressful as far as like figuring out kind of how we wanted to do it, what we wanted to do. Uh, and they've always kind of been different every single one. Yeah. Um, so that made it interesting and, and exciting as well. And there was a process that we learned along the way where I remember in the beginning, cause a lot of us had that mentality of like, we always need to be doing something uh, that I learned after the first one that If you take something crazy and you lay there for two minutes, no one really cares because (laughs) there's so much action going on with everyone else and that's okay. So anytime it was, you know, someone was in their first war games match, that was always a process of letting everyone know that like, Hey, you know, it's okay if we're kind of not the focus for a second, you know, trust me, it'll be back on us in a minute. So, uh, but yeah, the, the process was really, really fun, mainly because of the crew of guys that we had. You know, every single War Games match that I had, I, I loved the guys that I worked with, loved the matches we had. Again, those those fans for every single War Games match were amazing. So, yeah, really, really fun. Really enjoyed it. Those were those were so cool. To Yeah, I yeah. loved them. I loved them. And then after that, right, we go to Nick, your your Mr. South Jersey, Philadelphia. Like, that's the Philadelphia Rumble after that, right? Yeah. Who won it? 
Well, uh, I forget. Uh, I think that was because I was there for Shinsuke, Asuka, Roman. I think that was Shinsuke because then okay. Sh- Orleans and you get AJ Shinsuke there. Sh- Shinsuke was the winner of the one that I was in, actually. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because that was that was Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. a crazy weekend, too, because so the night before you wrestled Alistair and both of you guys were or Tommy and both you guys who's also, I think I'll be doing this podcast we're really excited about and bring this match up. But you guys had one of the best matches I was ever in person for in Philly um, there. And I don't know if you know this, like it really, you know, I think that match kind of you know, Alistair kind of has like a dark look and you're not really sure what to do with him at times. I think like some, that match really took notice. And like, I think people, it kind of put him on the map internally. And a lot of that is like the work you were doing with him in that match. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's very cool. Like, I know like there are people, like, I think one of the reasons, you know, he was such a focal point of raw and kept like, you know, was because of that match. And it kind of like was a big, career changer and like um it's still like one of the hardest hitting most physical matches i think i ever saw at a takeover yeah yeah that that one was really really violent i remember because i remember i took the uh i, I had this wild idea because we were in philadelphia and i had <laughs> seen uh the necro butcher is his name and i i had seen him take this crazy bump on these chairs not butt to butt but like back to back like <laughs> like this uh, and I remember having this wild idea of, oh my God, it's my first takeover singles match. I want to have this crazy moment in this match. And, and Alistair gave me this Death Valley driver on top of the chairs. And I remember thinking, I don't think this has been seen in WWE before. So I was really excited to do that. And it was in Philly. Again, I, I had gone to countless shows um, in Philadelphia. Like as a fan, Philly was where I went to go watch WWE. So I I wanted to make an impression, you know, I was like, Oh God, I got to do my absolute best uh, to to have a good one. And funny enough though, um, like not to gloss over that match because I, I did really enjoy it, but I was told afterwards at like 11 PM that night, uh, triple H told me, Hey, by the way, you're in the rumble tomorrow. So I was expecting to go home. Like no one had told me anything. So I had this match with Alistair and then I was told I, I was going to be in the Rumble. So I'm like super excited, super elated. Uh, and again, a similar feeling of being like, okay, you know, I debuted at NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn. And these are the diehard of the diehard WWE fans. But how are the fans at the Royal Rumble? Like maybe these people just watch Raw and SmackDown. Maybe they're not going to care. And I remember being like pleasantly surprised with the reaction. Like people were actually excited I was there. So that was really, really cool. And then I got to stand in the ring because Rey Mysterio was like a surprise entrant as well. And standing in the ring when Buyuka, you know, <laughs> yeah. was like so cool. You know, I, I, of course, I'm thinking, uh, you know, a million things that I wasn't in there for very long. But it, that was still like a of a place to debut in the Royal Rumble uh, in Philly. I, I wouldn't have asked for a better spot. Yes, sir. When, when did you? Yeah, I mean, as. Uh, Nick is Philly proud. I went to school yes. at five Philly. So like when, oh, you that, yeah. about, like when you talk about seeing wrestling shows in Philly, uh, I'm not to speak for Nick, but I think I could totally relate about how awesome it is. Yeah. Yeah. Fuse center. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. When did that day? So like that day, 
when did you find out you were working with Rey Mysterio? Oh my God. Um, so I'd say a couple hours before, but I didn't even speak with Ray until 30 minutes before I walked through the curtain. Like, because again, things were so hidden uh, and so protected at that point. I think yeah. that was the same rumble that Rhonda debuted as well. Yes. Um, so yeah. there was like a lot of like hidden stuff that day. I remember. Um, so yeah, like a lot of it was super, super last minute, uh, which was of course very stressful. That was the thing that I had not experienced um, in my career at that point. Now it's like, I'm used to it. That's just how, you know, how we do the yeah. show. Uh, but yeah, at the time, again, it's a lot of pressure because it's, it's what I wanted to do since I was nine, you know, WWE was my dream and my goal and everything I ever wanted. And now all of a sudden, less than 24 hours after I'm told by triple H I'm going to be in the Royal rumble in Philadelphia. I'm thinking first union center, like yeah. the, the <laughs> whole, all the shows I used to go to. Um, and Hey, Ray Mysterio is going to be in there with you and you're going to get eliminated by him. It was just the whole thing. It happens so fast that you don't even have time to process it. It's like the anxiety and the stress almost comes afterwards. It's the weirdest feeling. Like you're in this like super zoned out moment where, you know, you have a job to do, uh, and then it hits you later. So, but yeah, it all, it all, I was told last minute about a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you know, well, that's the thing, like kind of going back to like opportunities and stuff. Yeah. It's everything's an opportunity. And like, I yep. think the, I think the thing that like really defines your career in a good way is like outside of the matches, outside of the promos, outside of all these things, like you always like everyone references the brass ring. Like you, you didn't just grab it. You always like tore it down and ran with it, which is like, like too, like, you know, going to the next like takeover, um, like in New Orleans, like for Mania weekend, like that was like a pretty crazy time because that's when Bobby got hurt, right? Yeah, yeah, that was because that was when Bobby got hurt. Like I believe, like a couple days before, it was yeah. like we had like a like a house show loop leading into that takeover, uh, and Bobby got hurt and no one knew what to do. And I think it was that day or the day before where I was told, "Hey, you're you're going to be in this." Uh, five or six man ladder match for the inaugural North American championship. And then also you're going to help Kyle defend the NXT tag team titles. Um, and we had a very short match in between ours uh, for me to get ready. Um, yeah. So th that event was also crazy for so many different reasons. Number one, to, to be able to say I was the first ever NXT North American champion was pretty awesome in a, in a crazy ladder match that a lot of people really enjoyed. Um, and then again, to, <laughs> 20 minutes later to have to go and, and help Kyle defend the tag titles was pretty wild. And then also that to me is when the real undisputed era started. Uh, Cause that's when Roderick strong joined and we were like a four man crew at that point, we had multiple championships it was just such a cool night. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was an amazing, amazing night for me, for sure, yeah, and for our whole group. Yeah, to really for NXT in general, like to go behind the curtain on that. Yeah. Uh, so that was when that happened. It was right before the TV taping going into Takeover and Mania. Yeah, and that was one of the longest 
meetings the night before uh, a TV taping I've ever been in at NXT. Like, I think the production meeting was even canceled. Uh, and like, we had like long talks. I, at one point, uh, to give a, to give an admittance, pitched, well, if Bobby's hurt, let's, let's have Adam turn on Kyle and go to a singles program. Cause I really thought like within the next year, you would be on, um, you know, be on raw or SmackDown anyway. Sure. And like, uh, I have never pitched an idea that got so much anger towards me than that. And like, <laughs> like Gabe was like, oh, you break up, undisputed, you're breaking up on disputed era. Like, like he's throwing up his hands. Bill Castro was like, Chris, I love you. Please don't pitch that to Hunter. <laughs> and like, so we, and like, we were there and we we're talking about it. And like the, the story really built up well. And like a lot of things came together. Like we backtracked the story of like, you four guys like for being a you know Roddy who's not in the group at this sure. point. And you know, with like the offering of the arm brand that Roddy kept turning down. And it felt like adding Roddy was like the natural thing. And like Hunter, you know, really came up with a brilliant story point of like, you know, Adam Cole is in a ladder match. He's sacrificing his body for Kyle in this match. And, and Roddy was teaming with Pete Dunn, right? For this yes. match. Yes. Yeah. So um I think like his like if Roddy's there and he's been this man on an island and like bouncing around people and he sees like Adam just sacrificing himself, sacrificing himself, sacrificing himself for his brothers, why wouldn't Roddy want to be a part of it? And like it led to this amazing moment, like you know, wrestling as much as like listen, if you do a four fifty flip, it's really cool. Uh, if you can like if you can lift somebody really high, it's really cool it really comes down to you are watching like a movie or a TV show in a lot yep. and it's cinema and it's theater. And like the way that Roddy pulled that off, but then like you and Kyle also sold the moment in shock. It was like, what just happened? And the fact that you guys didn't know it made like a really classic moment when you go back and rewatch it. Yeah. It, it was uh, the reaction to it, like kind of solidified, the fact that it was a good call, I think yeah. in a lot of ways, I remember like, I don't mean to speak for him, um, but he said this to me before. I think he said it before in interviews before too, but Roddy often goes back to that night where um, he turned on Pete and, you know, put the armband on and the crowd reaction. And he looks back on that as one of his favorite nights of his entire career. And, and, and it's one of mine too, you know, uh, I, also, this is a little bit behind the curtain as well, but I remember originally when me, Bobby and Kyle were talked to about being this group, it was specifically said to us when we came together, like, um, hey, Undisputed Era is not going to be like an NWO. Like, it's <laughs> not going to be a thing where, like, all these different people join and guys turn on different people and, you know, you bring new people in, kick, you know, certain people out. It's going to be just you three as this brotherhood dominant group. And then again, just a short amount of time later, um, the idea was brought to us where they said, hey, what do you guys think about Roderick Strong joining the group? And I remember without us even saying anything to each other, I chimed in to Bobby and Kyle and I said, guys, of anybody to join the group and make it complete and full it's Roddy and nobody else. And both of them were like, I was going to say the exact same thing. Awesome. So it was like all of us were on the same page, Roddy included. 
uh, as far as being in the group. Again, aside from the fact that we've known each other for so long, it just, I think, fit the mold of what we were bringing to the table at that time in, in NXT. And to just touch a little bit on what you said about um, Hunter's vision of like the whole, you know, me sacrificing myself for Kyle, man, it's just so brilliant. It's like such a deep level of thinking when it comes to storytelling and moments and uh, heroes and villains or like not even heroes and villains, because technically you could look at that and say like, that's an admirable quality, but I was like a dirt bag in NXT, but it's, but it's still like an admirable thing that would make someone who's maybe not as successful in what they want to do and go, no, I want to be involved with something like that. I want to be involved with a group of people who care about each other and will do anything for each other. Cause that's human emotion at the end of the day. So it's, I just, I know everyone knows how smart he is and, but like, God, he deserves way more credit than I think he gets sometimes. I, I agree thinking that like that. He also, yeah. like, you know, I think he's a, a student of storytelling to an extent. Yep. He, he's like, okay, Marvel's popular. Why is Marvel popular? Yes. And he won't go into detail with that with you. Like, yes. as always, you know, me, but um, he'll like, <laughs> but like he'll say things in production meetings and you would see this a lot when he was on raw and smackdown meetings like he would go to vince and he's like vince this is very popular right now this works because of x and this works because of y and yep. this is how we can take this and make it our own yeah and he's really smart with that and like too like i think somebody who doesn't like to be talked about who uh, i'm going to talk about uh joe bell castro i think like one thing um he was such a, a defining person in NXT as a lead writer and like yes. he'll write a book, uh, which is fantastic where if you can get it, definitely buy it. Um, he is, he's such a good guy. And like one, he was a big supporter of my career. And like, I learned a lot from him. One thing he was really good, especially that night in that room, he backtracked the story in such a good way. Yeah. And he like could break it down essentially in so many different ways. It's like kind of like, you know, the next year when I was working more on SmackDown and we were doing like the, I think it was next year, the Charlotte, Becky, Ronda stuff. Like we were like, he kind of really taught me to look at wrestling storytelling as like what the package is. So it's like, we're pitching this, like what are the moments you can kind of do with that? And he kind of like retrofitted that story to work in his mind. Um, That's quite brilliant. Like it's quite smart and like such a talented group of people be around down there. Oh my God. Yeah. What a crew. Seriously. Like, like everyone just, everyone's so much so on the same page and like excited to work together. Like it, it really, really was. Again, I'm glad you brought up Joe Belcastro because he was, again, you know, he was another one who was instrumental in the undisputed era working whatsoever. You know, he was, uh, he was a great guy to work for. He, he really, really was. He was like, when it comes to like sanity and like, you know, yep. uh, like AOP, like he really, he really crafted these stories and these characters in such a good way. And like, you know, really dedicated so much time to it and like uh, un- unsung hero. And I think that's partially like he, he does not like the attention, but he is so. Well, you're going to get it, Joe. So you're going to get it. <laughs> so glad um, But yeah, it's, it's, it really you know, you are in the meat grinder working a 52 week a year show at WWE yeah. wrestling is your life. Uh, yeah. Like I've never seen glow. And that's mainly because like, I 
like you're watching seven hours of wrestling a week just internally. And that doesn't right. include like you're watching what the indies are doing or what's going on in Japan to see like if there's anyone you should sign or if there's like, you know, any, any like new moves or just whatever. Uh, when you're at NXT, you are really like, you feel part of a team and you like want to run through a wall and like it was Definitely. like for the brand. And like you, like, you know, I, I told Hunter like, and like I got like probably like a little too like, personal like not personal but i guess like emotional i was like man like when we were at takeover 25 in connecticut that was like the best night of my career at wwe and like at that point in such a big way and like i remember like leaving like what we kind of talked about before around that period um around like you know the daniel match and the survivor series and all that stuff like i was heartbroken to like not be on nxt anymore it was just like it was a real like myself and another writer tried to get approval for us to fly from raw every week and then do NXT live every week. And they're like, no, <laughs> that's awesome though. Yeah. That, and that, that's just a testament to like, again, the, the bond that a lot of us formed like in that environment, it, it really did. It felt like this like giant victory every single time that we had like a really awesome or epic show. Like it was like the whole team, the entire crew was like, oh, my God, we did it. Oh, man, the, the fans loved it. And everyone was so, so stoked and so happy. So I, I totally get it. I th- and I think that's cool. Yeah. I think that's really cool. All awesome stuff. Yeah. I'm going to break it up a little. Adam, I know you're a big uh, video games fan. Big time. <laughs> there we go. Who was your go-to guy for uh, WrestleMania 2000 and or No Mercy? Oh, wow. Good question. Ooh, great question. So um, generally speaking at that time, I, I did mostly play a Stone Cold Steve Austin. He, he was my go-to. I, I was not very good at the creative wrestler aspect of the game. Um, but it, again, if I'm not picking Stone Cold, I'm picking like X-Pac. He, he, because I loved his No Mercy taunt. Oh, so- I loved the No Mercy <laughs> taunt so much. <laughs> So, so good. Nice. Oh, yeah. I was either Ken Shamrock or Steve Blackman. I just, I don't know. Oh, nice. Those are both good ones, too. Yeah. Oh, so I do have a, I do have a somewhat interesting wrestling video game story in the sense of, I remember, I think it was Warzone on the PlayStation 1. Do you guys remember that game? Okay. So I remember renting it and being so excited. It was like my first proper wrestling game when I was like really into wrestling. That, that I could have because we got a PlayStation one. And I remember I loved stone cold. I was so excited to uh, pick him as my character. And when he walked out to his music and that music played, I was so pumped. And when he stood on that turnbuckle and went to do his taunt and he did this, I lost my mind. I was so sad. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> why can't you just close the fists, dude? Yeah. Come on. I was so sad. I was so, so sad. But again, I get it. You know, technology at that time is a little bit harder. Yeah. But I remember I wanted so badly uh, Stone Cold Dev his fist closed uh, because I at that time when I was, you know, first falling into wrestling, I loved just entrances most of the time. Yeah. And Stone Cold was my guy. He was my first favorite, uh, favorite wrestler. Um, but yeah, yeah. I remember that's just a funny little side note of like in Warzone, his hands were like this. Yeah. Instead of instead of closed, I was so disappointed. <laughs> I 
I used to get so frustrated with the, those games. The first like one I really loved, there was a WCW one, I think around like, I'm trying to think it, it was the wolf pack was in it. So it had to be like 97, 98. And I thought that okay. was like, the perfect game. Like it yeah. had everyone in it. And then like, I don't know if you guys would do this, but like I would go like, okay, let's create a character. Like I would go online to AOL and wait for the modem to load up and then figure <laughs> out how to like create like, oh, the WWF guys. And like, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God. There were so many good N64 wrestling games. Oh my word. So many good ones. So many good ones. And, and funny enough though, too, now like that I'm super into video games, um, I very rarely play wrestling games. Uh, like, if, like I love pro wrestling to death, uh, and I love video games to death, but I keep yeah. them separated in a lot of ways. So, but wrestling games are great. Yeah, they're awesome. I have a lot of great memories with them. I used to, as a writer, I used to get the games for free. Um, oh, nice. And I never played them just because, like, <laughs> kind of going back to like the old thing. Like, I wish I had them now because I would totally play them now. But like, it's just like you're. I don't know if you feel this way and this is why you don't. It's just like, like wrestling is your life pretty much the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. So like that was um, actually funny enough. So like I casually played video games my whole life, like my first memory ever, not of video games or of wrestling. Like my first memory of my life was waking up really early one morning and my dad had stayed up all night and got the best bike you can get in road rash on Sega Genesis uh, and I was like really excited that he got the Diablo bike uh, in Road Rash. Um, so I again, I loved playing them. But when I was nine years old, it was wrestling 100% of the time. I would play video games. I loved the PlayStation 1 and N64 and PS2 and GameCube and all that stuff because my brother was really into them. Um, but at the end of the day, if wrestling was on, where I could train or read a wrestling magazine. I was picking that over video games. So in 2015, I'd been wrestling for quite a few years. I had already traveled the world and I got to a point where I was kind of like, I really need a hobby outside of my job. Cause it was just wrestling all the time. And I love wrestling. It's, it's by no means anything <laughs> negative towards it, but I was like, I need some sort of separation from it. And I'll never forget my brother came home because we played Halo a lot when I was in high school. And my brother came home one day and he goes, hey, oh, Halo 5 just came out today. And I was living with my brother and another roommate of mine at the time. And uh, I said, hey, uh, Brent, do you mind if I play uh, Halo 5 on your Xbox? It was just bored. I, I, I had slept in till like 1 p.m. or something crazy because I got home from Japan or something wild. <laughs> So uh, I started playing it. I stayed up till eight in the morning and beat the whole campaign. And I was like, wow, whoa, this is so much fun. Uh, and I played it again the next day. And then I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to buy an Xbox. And the rest was history. So from 2015 on, yeah. I've been like passionately into games, uh, you know, outside of wrestling. And not to bring it back to this, but one of the biggest things is the storytelling aspect of it. Games at this point have turned into like AAA movies in a lot of ways, where some of the dialogue and good versus evil scenarios that they put in these games, uh, where you get to play these characters, inspire me. Like, again, I can't tell you how many times I've been inspired from a character in a game for a promo in a, in a wrestling ring. Uh, just based on certain things that guys have said or mannerisms 
or characteristics or what have you. So it, it's helped me professionally actually to kind of separate the two versus uh, just, you know, studying wrestling 24 seven. I think like you you've been really good about one thing in your career of like, I think in a lot of fields like this, you have to like be all in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but you also have to know yourself and like give yourself like, you can't just all be it because you need to be a well-rounded person. Yes. And you need to bring things from outside to be successful and like, you yes. know, like learn things. And I think like, that's like, you know, one thing you've always been like really good about. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, again, I've said before, I feel like if I wasn't obsessed with pro wrestling, I wouldn't be where I am today. I, th- I think the obsession to the industry has been vital in the fact that I've gotten to do so many things I've done, especially considering the fact that, again, I'm not like a huge guy, <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> not by any means. So I had to teach myself or, or make sure that I was at least pretty good at pretty much everything within the industry. Um, and, and I have consumed myself within the job, but like you had just said, it is, it's so important to be able to kind of turn it off for a second because I, I used to be in a phase where, God, if I had a performance that I was really happy with, I had a great week and I was just happy my entire life, no matter what happened. Hey, it doesn't matter. I had a great match on Wednesday. Uh, and then if it didn't go well, then it was, I was sad and depressed and upset with myself uh, if it didn't go well. And, and that's a very dangerous hole to fall in. So if you, if you can find yourself in a situation where you still put as much commitment and passion into what you love and what your number one priority is, while at the same time having other things that can bring you happiness uh, or what have you, I think that's vital. I think it's really, really important. It really is such a, a game changer. I, like I, yeah. as a, as one of the producers of Bailey, this is your life. I was very sad for like, but like when you have a, a segment that goes like rough, you get depressed, and then it's just like okay, like you have to like put this over here, and then like yes, always you have to. There's always gonna be another show in 2020. You started feuding, I think, with Pat McAfee, correct? I yeah. think it was and 2020. I, and I know there's a lot of hate there. Has things cooled off? Not at all. <laughs> I hate that SOB. I hate him. I, but I will say this. I will say this about Pat McAfee. All right. I can't stand him. He's a scumbag as he calls me often, but he's incredibly talented. It's kind of unbelievable how, uh, how well he's done in literally every aspect of the job, whether it be the in-ring performance or the talking ability, which everyone knows he already has. Uh, he, he's crazy athletic, has so much potential to be and do whatever he wants in the pro wrestling industry. Um, but I can't stand him. I hate his guts. It's really nuts. Like, you know, Pat, the guy who would get in trouble for wearing shorts on the kickoff shows, would yeah. end up at WrestleMania dealing with Vince McMahon and Stone Cold. Unbelievable. One of the highlights of the whole weekend. Yeah. For real. Like, like the entire WrestleMania weekend, Pat was one of the highlights, like top three to me for sure. Yeah, 100%. Like, without question. And yeah. he took the stunner so well, like so well, like it's, I remember when, like, I remember like I learned a lot about wrestling when Kevin brought it back. Shane was supposed to take a stunner 
and he went the wrong direction and you realize how like one little thing like that about like somebody being off about which way they're supposed to turn can like yep. blow something so like in such a big way but yep. like you know pat like you know he 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 wasn't you know in new japan for like six years like yes right like but he's taking things and it's looking great and like like how that's actually a question like i want to ask you like when you what was that match like for you to put together because like you had to like you know when you're working with people at nxt like they have experience like they're and if they don't and they're green you're at the performance center with them on a regular basis. So you can yeah. work with things like Pat A, he was completely new to it. And then B, his schedule really doesn't allow him to like come in and like do anything. No, no. So, so that is the thing about McAfee uh, that was so impressive. Like on so many levels was not just, again, like, like Pat's a rock star in a lot of ways. You know, he he's a guy who is very well known a lot of people know who he is. There are people to this day who hate me because the you know <laughs> they saw the podcast thing uh, with me and him getting into an altercation. There are people who, for real, uh, like hate my guts from that thing, uh, which is awesome. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so uh, but Pat like has such a incredible amount of respect for what we do that it didn't surprise me in the least to see how well he did at WrestleMania, because I know in the small time that he was involved in NXT uh, again, no matter who he was interacting with, no matter what he was doing, he never ever had a know-it-all attitude or like, I know exactly what to do and when to do it. No one could tell me what to do. Pat wanted to learn. He wanted to make sure the show was as entertaining as possible in every single situation, no matter what the segment was, whether it was a promo or a match or what have you, Pat was all about like respecting the guys he was in there with and, and making that segment as entertaining as possible. Cause Pat loves wrestling. Um, and again, truth be told, I know generally you would think, uh, you know, of course that's what you would do, but for a guy like Pat who doesn't have to think that way, and could probably get away with it. Um, he still did, which which did make me gain a little bit of respect for him. Aside from the fact that he's a piece of trash, but yeah, yeah, there was one promo in particular where we had a scene from Johnny's School, who was great, great guy. Uh, yes, but like it really shows what an amazing performer you are because like you had to help him through the promo because he had never done any live television promo before. <laughs> um, well, the, the the whole Gargano feud was crazy for me. And I think for everybody, because again, like the Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano story was in my opinion, like the best story ever told in NXT, like top to bottom. It was just so brilliantly done on so many levels. So we go from thinking Johnny's going to have his big moment with Tommaso uh, WrestleMania weekend. And then Tommaso needs neck surgery and they need this drastic last minute replacement. And they're like, Oh my God, what do we do? Uh, okay. I guess we'll do Cole and Gargano uh, WrestleMania weekend at this takeover. And then it ended up being one of the, what many people call one of the best takeover matches ever 
which is wild because me and Johnny have wanted to work together on a platform like that for a really long time. So it's crazy how that worked out. And then uh, again, like we had talked about, like the, again, the, the promo segments of, uh, me going to the school that Johnny was at and us traveling all over the country to film all this different stuff and winning the championship at takeover 25, which was the first like standalone NXT takeover, yeah. I believe, uh, which was really cool. My mom well, and with that, with that takeover, it was run in Hartford. Yes. Uh, yeah. They hadn't run that building in forever because, you know, it just wasn't doing well, and it was a complete sellout. Oh, I didn't know it wasn't doing well. Oh, that's no, so no, cool. not not like not NXT, but like no, I know, I know. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Boston that's Smackdown. incredible. Yeah. Oh, um, that's awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that was such a like. I working with you two on that story was like so amazing. Yeah. Um, I'll, I will say this: like, I I doubt you follow me on Twitter. Like, I I obviously care about your career, and I don't know. I've never told you this, and it's a little embarrassing. The uh, a running joke because like the writers make fun of each other. Uh, I was sarcastically called the fifth member of Undisputed Era for a while. So I have a, a very heartfelt, I care about all of you guys because like I, I really hope Adam goes to Raw or SmackDown because I, I was worried, you know, I really do believe in like, you know, Vince has a philosophy about spotlights. Uh, yeah. And like the more people you put into it, the less the light becomes. Um, and I was just like, you know, AEW sign all these guys, all these guys, all these guys. Like it doesn't feel with like, doesn't really feel like punk or daniel or or i'm brian i'm sorry or um or adam like would really get this moment you know just as a, a friend of yours and a fan of yours like you have just like like it doesn't matter how many people AEW signed and like you have been crushing it and like you know same thing with bobby and kyle and like it's it's been so fun to watch as a fan every week and like i can't wait for the forum show in, in june and like you know it you have got you like there. Somebody I really respect had like a, a saying about like you know, NXT, people at NXT and Indies, like when you're kind of moving up the ladder, it's like, man, if you were a mid car guy in the Indies, you're gonna be a mid car guy at NXT and you're gonna be a mid car guy at on Raw or SmackDown. And you know, I think one thing you've proven is that like no matter where you are you always find a way to be in the main event. And it's been really great to see him like hats off to Tony. Like, it, like he brought a lot of people in and people thought it was too much. And it's been like just phenomenal television. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a lot of that, like I said, well, first of all, again, thank you so much. Uh, that means a lot to me for real. Yeah. Uh, but the, so again, getting to know Tony on the level that I have has been so cool. Aside from the fact that I think he's a wonderful wonderful person. Like he treated me so well. Um, I met him two years before I started working for him and he, and he was always so kind and so nice to me, but my God, does that guy love professional wrestling? He loves pro wrestling and he respects the history of it and what you've done. Like, I, I, again, like a big thing for me was um, early on in my AEW career, there was a point where there was an eight man tag booked where it was me, Kenny Omega and the young bucks against an, uh, yeah, I think it was jungle boy, Luchasaurus, Christian cage and yeah. uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, and, and Tony was so excited to do this match because he goes, God, the four of you have only teamed together one time. And it was one time in new Japan on June, whatever uh, da, 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 da. And it, it was like a new Japan house show. Like the <laughs> fact that he knew 
Yeah. Exactly when we teamed, it's just so telling about how much pro wrestling means to him. And uh, again, like I, Tony said one time in an interview, I was the only guy he was afraid of um, when it came to the AEW versus NXT war or feud that was going on, which was uh, a very, very nice. So it, it, I've, I've been having such a blast and such a good time. It's been so cool to wrestle in front of just these rabid, passionate fans every single week uh, at AEW and getting to travel with Brit has been amazing um, as yeah. well. So yeah, it's been crushing. She oh, does. she's doing so well. So, yeah. so well. Um, it's yeah. Everything. Like, I think, I think Tony deserves a lot of credit. Like I, yeah. I, I haven't always loved the comments about writers at WWE, but I will say like, <laughs> like he has been, like he's really created something like so amazing. And like from whether like, you know, his father, like him and his father, like own the Jaguars or whatever, like he, a lot of people have, have money and they, they don't use it well. And like, yep. it's very hard to do these shows and do them well. And like, yep. I think too, like not only are they great shows, but um, in addition to that, you know, when you talk to, I have, I have a lot of friends in AEW. Anytime I talk to them, always happy. Love coming to work every day. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And a lot of that is because, again, in a leadership role like that, he is so happy all the time. Like I, lots of times I will sit in gorilla or like kind of watch from start to finish. Like it, you know, would say if there's uh, dark elevation matches that start before dynamite and then rampage afterwards or whatever, uh, from like for four hours, Tony is elated and ecstatic about every single match that's in the ring, uh, which is so important. He's excited yeah. before the show starts and he's excited after the show. Uh, so it, that does, it really, really helps. There's like a, the pressure is still there. But the pressure more so comes from ourselves. Like, I, you know, we have a certain expectation of like, when I walk to the ring, I have a certain expectation of what I think Adam Cole should bring to the table and what I should do and the performance that I expect from myself and what I know the fans expect from me. But there's no like, I'm never afraid of, of Tony being disappointed with me whatsoever. Like he is just so encouraging, so supportive. Uh, I love him to death. He, he's an amazing boss. That, that makes me so happy to hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that's a great way to close out the show. Yeah. 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 We, we took up about a lot more time than you expected, Adam, but yeah. it was just like, Oh my God, guys, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Pleasure Absolutely. to talk to you. Thank you very much. For sure. I will uh, see you on the 27th. Awesome. awesome. It's so cool to talk to, you know, guys in the industry, wrestlers, people like you, Adam. Thanks again for coming on, but it's all about the charity. So we yes. appreciate it. The description is below. The link is in that. Please click and donate if you can. Awesome. Please do. Peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Check us out on the web at uwpod.com. You've got mail. Or send us an email. We really don't know what we're dealing with here, man. Info at uwpod.com. Universal Wrestling Podcast. Nobody does it better.